Yeah, I think probably everyone that is on this podcast today has got some type of pain or suffering that, that they're struggling with. Yeah. I'm 67 years old and I've been in the ministry most of my adult life. And honestly, as I was sharing with my uh, cardiologist this past week, is I went all the way through my adult life without having a broken bone, not needing surgery, really suffering, I think, the same kinds of things that, you know, many Christians struggle with. But a year ago, when I was diagnosed with a degenerate nerve disease, you know, and I sit here today uh, paralyzed from the knees down, and uh, that's just one of the side effects of this disease. And the amount of pain and suffering that it brings me is brand new to me. Mm. And I've been forced into this position of um, what I call the gateway of lies. Mm. And I can walk through that gate and start believing these lies that I'm lesser of a minister or I'm lesser of, you know, is, is God going to use me anymore? And it, mm. it just comes at me nonstop. Mm. Mm. And there, after I, and tempted, and sometimes I go through that gate, mm -hmm. and I, you know, bout with struggles of, you know, what's it worth, you know, and, and are we really making a difference, and all this stuff that the enemy throws. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, once we go through that gate, at least I'm saying personally for myself, that's where the big struggle is, these oh, yeah. lies. Mm -hmm. So you talk about these common lies in your book. Tell us a little bit more about what you do see as these common lies and what does trip us up and making it very difficult for us to get back to walking in and through the victorious life. Absolutely. It's, it's such a big issue. I think the first and foremost lies are about the character of God. You know, you go back to the Garden of Eden, that's how it all started. The enemy came to Adam and Eve and said, you know, God's holding out on you. Wouldn't it be better to be God yourself? And uh, I think that same thing goes on today. When we get frustrated, hurt, we get the losses, uh, the health issues, instantly the enemy's right there to whisper in our ears, you know, God doesn't love you. If he loved you, that wouldn't have happened to you. Yeah. And especially when we ourselves bring those consequences on ourselves, you know, with sin. But here's the thing we need to understand. Uh, it doesn't make any difference with God. And, and please don't hear me saying he's light on sin or something like that. But his agenda is to restore. His agenda is to heal. His agenda is to empower and to draw us into intimate relationship with him. And, it, and since that is his goal, it doesn't matter whether it was a disease from a fallen world or a stupid choice that brought you some consequences. He is still who he is and wants to restore. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible is in John 21. And you remember where, where Peter failed three times, right? Once And with a teenage girl, the first one, uh, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And then, of course, he go to the Sea of Tiberias. Jesus cooks breakfast. And, and, and he sets a campfire. And I think that's just masterful because, you know, around that campfire is where Peter messed up. So he sets the stage and then he says, Peter, you love me? Not once, not twice, three times. 
And when I look at that, my first thought was, hey, what happened to I'll remember your sins no more, <laughs> you know? Uh, but it wasn't about how Peter failed. We got to keep reading. Peter said, yeah, I love you. And then Jesus says this, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. You say, what's the point? That was Peter's ordination. At an ordination, you get questioned. And the questions for Peter all centered on this. Yeah, you messed up, but you are still my chosen vessel to go feed my sheep. Nothing has changed. You're still my kid and I'm still your God. I've, the, the ordination all centered on this issue of grace, redemption, love, forgiveness, the character of God. And so that, that's a very important point with the lies is to make sure that even when you sin, uh, God is still for you. Uh, but there's a lot of other lies, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's not true. Uh, that's a perversion from 1 Corinthians. Uh, God will never let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. There's always a way out. But where in the world did we think that he will never allow things into our life that we can't handle when we've got 2 Corinthians 12 and the thorn in the flesh? Uh, take it away, take it away. Paul says, this hurts. And God says, no, you have to keep that one, son, because that's gonna keep you weak. And then you'll trust me and I'll be strong. And then you'll really be strong because your faith will be in my strength, not yours. So of course, God gives us more than we can handle. He doesn't want, let, want us living independent of him. So there's one, and this is the big one. It hurts too much. Um, if that were true, then hurt would be omnipotent. And only God is omnipotent. So I'll give you that it hurts. But let me tell you, I know what it means to hurt. But God is bigger than your hurt. Yeah, <clears throat> I have shared with many people since uh, this diagnosis that whenever the pain is is too intense for me, whether I'm in bed in the middle of the night or whether you know I'm going through my day, I have found exactly what you just shared in regard to what Jesus said to Peter, and that is feed my sheep. Yeah. So one of the the golden nuggets that the Lord has blessed me with is when it gets overwhelming, go find someone to minister to. Mm. And since a good portion of our ministry is on the internet, uh, we, we basically never lack needy people. Mm. But another thing that has been very, very important for me, um, I have this little devotional and I, I typically mm. hand it out to you know, anyone who is going through a problem of believing in these common lies, and it's, you know, who am I or who is Christ in me? Mm. Yes, sir. And Lynn Wood uh, has been working with us for quite a few years. He has put the hundred top identity truths in this little devotional. Mm. And when my mind gets so consumed by whether it's pain or suffering or distresses or whatever, I just find great relief. It's a great medicine to me to begin to just not read about, but let the Lord meditate these identity statements in my life. Mm. 
And it just shifts my mind from my mind to his mind. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you talk about those common uh, responses to pain, but you also talk about this radical response to pain. What is that? Maybe I can introduce that here with uh, from later in the book. And what prompted me to, to get to writing the book, my bride uh, came home from a shopping trip and she says, I got something for you. And she was very proud of herself. And I said, oh, really, what's that? And she said, a plaque. Well, you know, Stephen, based on what we've said earlier, I think it's pretty clear. I don't like Christian cliche. I don't like the word of God used in a trite way. Uh, well, you know, all things work together for good. Um, so a plaque just doesn't touch my buttons. So she obviously saw my face. And I guess I was thinking, you know, 40 years of marriage, and you're going to get me a plaque. <laughs> so she's like, wait, wait, you got to hear the story. You punch? <laughs> so I said, all right, lay it on me. And she said, I walked into this woman's craft booth and I saw it and I went, oh my goodness, that's Frank. And so she grabbed this plaque and she ran to the woman and she says, uh, where did you get this? And she said, I made it. And she's oh, from a mold or something? She's oh, no, I was sitting working at my clay. The thought popped in my head. I wrote it down. And I thought, well, that's nice. I think I'll make a plaque. And she says, so this is original with you? And she's, as far as I know. And my bride said, well, you made it for my husband. And the lady said, you know what it means? And Janet looked at her and she says, you don't? Aren't you a Christian? And the lady said, no, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And she's, so Janet got the opportunity to witness to her. And by the end, she had tears streaming down her cheeks. And she said, here it is. And she pulled it out. Because she basically told the lady, that's my husband's testimony. And it said, Grace sat down with me until I could walk again. And the Holy Spirit was just all over that in my heart, my mind, and saying, that's the book. you got to get on the book. And uh, that's what I mean by this radical response to pain. Instead of the normal thing of anesthetizing it, denying it, minimizing it, avoiding it, receive it embrace it uh sit down in your pain and invite god to meet you there um it was amazing uh while i was writing the book uh called a friend of mine his pastor and his son had died and i said how you doing man he says we're actually taking our first steps out of the valley and I said, well, how are you doing that? He said, well, we realized we just had to sit down in the pain until God met us. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then I have a neighbor and the same thing. And she said, we're just sitting down in the pain and trusting God to meet us. So it was like a confirmation from the Holy Spirit that we're, we were on to something. Uh, you know, that's what Job did. It's what Habakkuk did. Uh and so many other people in Father's Word, uh, you sit down where you are and, and let God meet you. And I think you find him in a way you never knew him, bigger than you knew him, better than you knew him. And when you're ready, he'll pick you up 
and he'll walk with you. And that's been my experience. It's been the experience of people I've been working with, you know, for 40 years. Um, I think it's, you know, in the writing of the book, Stephen, you have to uh, study things a little deeper, you know. And so I knew in the book of Job that, you know, Job finally got to the point where he questioned God. And God's response it just made me laugh. He said, oh, so you, oh man, want to have a talk with your creator? Well, gird your belt buckle because here we go, <laughs> you know. And uh, I knew that God asked Job questions, but I didn't realize how many. I, I, I've read Job a couple of times and I, I was thinking 14, 15 questions. And there were 77. And they were rapid fire. And Job couldn't answer one of them. You know, were you there when I hung the stars in the sky? Were you there when I gave him names? Were you there when I gave the horse his mane? And just bam, bam, bam. And Job just sat there. And then he makes this incredible statement. He says, you know, I knew about you. But now my eyes really see. And my takeaway from that was, and this is my takeaway. This is for me uh, because I, I tend to fight for what's right. And I tend to fight when there's opposition and fight when there's a hurt and fight when I'm betrayed. And Job learned that he was too small to trust himself and figure this out. And God was too big to not be trusted. And uh, if it, that would be my takeaway from writing the book for my own life. Uh, as I journey through life, all too often, my God is too small in my eyes and I'm too big. And I've got to get in his school of becoming a child. And, you know, it's fascinating if I can just make a point about that. <laughs> You know, Abraham started off really well, and then he had a lot of faith failures along the way. Uh, but when it comes down to the end of his life and God says, take that boy up on the altar and kill him. If you look closely at the text, there's not one argument. He doesn't say, wait a minute, he's the promised kid. Uh, time out, God, you told Noah not to kill. You know, that would have been an adult response to God. But Abraham says, yes, sir, takes that boy up. And what my conviction is, is that that was the decision of a man who finally became a child with his God. It took 120 years to get him there. Uh, I don't know if I would live long enough. It might be, take me two or 300, but I'm working on it. Uh, you know, the hardest thing in the world is for an adult to be a child. Uh, easiest thing in the world is for a child to be a child. But we grow up in this world and we become adult and we got to grow down and realize how big God is and how small we really are.